You're listening to Team Talk on ESPN Radio, 1017 The Team. Joe Neal, Sam Hauser here until 7 o'clock. Okay, no live sports tonight. A quiet day in sports, but anything but a quiet day here in New Mexico and at the Bernalillo County Courthouse. And that's where we'll go live right now to Will Weber with the Santa Fe New Mexican. And Will, uh, I was there uh, from start to uh, 2.30 when both sides had um, made their closing arguments. And then uh, you, of course, stayed uh, to to wait things out because we didn't know how long it would take a verdict uh, to get a verdict. So uh, pick it it up from there, like 2.30 after uh, the jury had been instructed to, um, you know, to get their information, do their deals. And uh, then you waited till, I guess, 5 o'clock, right? Yeah, you know, I've never been to Vatican City for uh, for the Pope stuff, but right. I, I'm sitting here waiting for the puff of white smoke <laughs> for the verdict to come out. But I don't know how that works. I don't know if someone bursts through the doors and says, we got one, or right. I don't know how it works. But, uh, yeah, it's, just, it's, 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 it's unusual because you'd think in a moment like that there'd be a lot of tension in the hallway outside where you have people from both sides kind of lingering, and it's not like that at all. It's just people are very conversational and... You know, the media is trying to do their stories, and everyone else is just kind of hanging around talking about fishing trips and weekend stuff. When the fact is, you have the balance of a man's really the, the balance of a man's future in in twelve people's hands. So, um, I think really the, the jury is going to the judge sent them home for the night. They're going to reconvene at eight thirty tomorrow morning, and who knows how long it'll take from there. Uh, she did she did have a question issued to her from the jury. The jury was had a question about how funds are, are moved from the UNM Foundation. Um, and then it was just one of those things where they answered it, and that was it. That was the end of the day. So it was pretty quiet at the end of the day of what amounted to a lot of testimony. It was, you know, Paul Krebs was on the stand for, what, three hours today? And then there was closing that took all day. So it was, yeah, it was a long one. Yeah, all right. Well, let's get back to that because you were on with us yesterday and we were getting ready for today. The state had rested its case and then it was now going to be up to Paul Kennedy, Paul Krebs's attorney, uh, you know, to 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 do his thing today and uh were neither one of us had did you have any idea before they started that Paul was going to testify today? Um No. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, I was a little surprised by that, but uh, it was I think it was beneficial to to Krebs because it kind of gave a voice to what he was trying to what his his attorney was saying the entire time. Well, what I told Sam is that if Paul had not taken, you know, because you always hear both sides of it. None of us are attorneys. And, and by the way, you're, you're used to covering games much more than right. uh, being in courtrooms. I mean, I, I know other reporters in there were like specialists in covering legal issues. And uh, you were the first to admit this is that's not you. But you've been, uh, yeah. you know, to be honest, sometimes like somebody that is like not uh, callous to these sort of things is, you know, is a good good representation of maybe how uh what the jury's looking at but one way or the other uh we're not experts and you hear both sides you teased it last night um people are wondering if uh paul krebs was going to take the stand and i think you almost kind of said but the odds are are not high for that and Mm -hmm. like lo and behold uh right out of the gate paul krebs takes uh the stand and my my 
a discussion with Sam is that if they had not put him on the stand, that jury would not have ever heard him utter one single word, right, Will? I mean, yeah, like, yeah. He, everything had been talked about him for days, but they would have never heard from him. So right there, I would think that that would be an advantage uh, for starters, right? Yeah, you know, it's got to be an, an unnerving thing for a person like him because he's, while he was employed at UNM, he was an athletic director for 19 years, 12 at UNM, and he's in a position where he's supposed to be the face, the person who is glad-handing everyone around him. So he's the one who's always talking. He's the one who's always in the middle of a conversation. And in a, in a, in a courtroom setting, it's, it's unusual because you're sitting at a table and you're supposed to be stoic. You don't react to anything. But everyone in that room is talking about you, and they're trying to decide your fate and whether or not you should go to jail, and things are being said about him and to him, and he can't do anything. I can't imagine the amount of stress that a person who's sitting at that defendant's table goes through. And I, I was watching him I, this morning when he was about ready to take the stand. The entire trial, he was, you, 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 I mean, you'd have to take his pulse to see if he's still awake. But this morning was a little different. I was he's sitting there at the defendant's table by himself, and he had a little notebook in front of him, and he just kind of closed his eyes, stared down at the notebook for just a second, closed his eyes, and took a few deep breaths. And you could tell he was just trying as hard as he could, I think, to keep his composure and and just because he knows that when he goes up on that stand, everything he says is going to be magnified either by the jury, by the defense, by the prosecution. And we both saw it. When the prosecution got up there, John Duran, the assistant attorney general, is an extremely good litigator when it comes to that part of it. He got up there and he was kind of just very conversational about stuff, asking him some of the softball questions, and then he went after him, just like you see in the movies, and he was good at it. He he kind of he made it uncomfortable, especially when he brought up the email exchanges, which until today we had not heard anything about the emails that Paul had sent to other people talking about this scandal breaking loose in the media and how he had regrets and how he had misinformed the media on purpose. And, and that stuff came to light. And I think it kind of took some people back. I looked over at the jury and you could see some reaction with that too. But yeah, it, it was, they, the prosecution definitely saved their, their biggest ammunition for last. But at the end of the, at the end of the day, it's just like what Paul Kennedy said, the defense attorney, this comes down to, did he purposely try to deceive the University of New Mexico, and did he try to do something nefarious by moving money back and forth? And I, I, I'll be honest with you, it's, I think the jury's going to have a hard time seeing it that way. But you know what? I've been wrong a couple times in this trial before, so we'll see how it goes. Yeah, and I think the way that uh, his attorney, Paul Kennedy, um it laid it out was that he's uh, being charged with embezzlement, um, uh, it, which is like the uh, you know the strongest kind of of, of uh, a charge you, a, a civil a, a citizen can get a felony charge. Yeah, which I thought murder was worse, but you know, there's well, there, I think they're all felonies, but the, yeah, some are worse than others. Yeah, I guess it was, it was uh, like I think I, I think I, I don't know if I'd have been going to a murder trial, but um, yeah, it was. Really, it's there's such a gray area in this thing where does violating UNM policy constitute breaking the law, and that's kind of at the crux of what they're getting at, and that, that's that's a hard sell. And uh, it, it's I, I don't know if the state made that strong of a case for it, but the thing is, in these closing arguments, 
the state gets the very last word, and they delivered a, a, a tough one right there at the end, just the way they closed it out. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I just, I, if I had to hedge my bets, I'd say there's a decent chance Krebs either, if he's found guilty, he's not facing any jail time, he'll probably get a fine, but I think there's a decent chance he gets off. Talking to Will Weber from the Santa Fe, New Mexican here on Team Talk ESPN Radio 1017. The team, he's down at the Bernalillo County Courthouse. Day four is officially done, and there will be a day five of the Paul Krebs trial tomorrow as the jury continues to deliberate. What stood out from the closing statements, if anything, Will, from either side? Yeah, the, the best thing about the closing statements is they, instead of, instead of just trying to dig for stuff, they just lay it all out there for you. So, it's like the Cliff Notes version of what had gone on the four days before. And so that's where some of the relevant facts just are kind of explained almost in crayon form for people like me who have a hard time tra- tracking Me too. Stuff. Yeah, and so they, they, they tell you exactly where that the money went and how it was paid and who paid for it and when it was paid. And and the, the two big things that came out were uh, the defense or the prosecution was basically saying, would this money have ever been recouped, ever, had it not been for the media reports that blew this thing completely out of the water? Because that's when the $25,000 was repaid, was after that KRQE report came became public. And then the $13,600 was paid back to the Lobo Club after you started seeing some of those things from the NM Fishbowl account that came out, where you had Daniel Libert really digging hard for some of that stuff. Um, it, it, so... Had this not gotten into the media, had it not blown up, and had time just kept shifting by, I mean, we're two years down the road from the Scotland trip before it all came out. Would anyone have even noticed this? And if if not, then it kind of, I think it, it, it probably plants that seed and everyone who listened to it is, well, if this didn't get taken care of, if the money was lost in this little trip, I mean, we're talking about $38,000 that went missing and 25 of it got recouped. But if, it, if that got went missing... Is there anything else that we haven't seen before? Or should we dig for something more? Uh, and, and honestly, like I thought one of the things, if you're trying to defend Paul Krebs in this case, I mean, this guy oversaw a $65 million renovation of the pit. And you think if, if he was going to steal money, it probably would have been then. I mean, how hard would it have been to, to take thirty or $40,000 of your own money to go out and buy a Jetta or something like that? <laughs> and that, that never came up. You, you, you figure, well... He oversaw that massive overhaul of the state's most famous building, but yet we're sitting here arguing about $13,600 that ultimately came right back to the athletic department from the local club. So, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, and, you know, tied into that uh, whole embezzlement is, like, uh, the need to prove that this somehow was converted uh, to one's own use or to one's own purpose, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. uh and I'll tell you, uh, you know, and you're right. The the ending that the uh, state made there uh, in uh, their closing argument was strong, which you just laid out. But the um, the close that uh, that Paul Kennedy made, uh, basically, he uh, pointed to the fact that one of the state's witnesses was uh, the the accountant that did the audit on. You know this whole thing, right? Um, yeah, I, I I can't remember the gentleman's name, but uh, Griego, Mr. Yeah. Griego. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Sixteen witnesses were called by the state, so Mr. Griego, right. and while he was there, uh, he was asked specifically by Paul Cre- uh, 
by Paul uh, Kennedy uh, was, did you see any evidence of embezzlement? And his answer to that was what, Will? Yeah, it was no. Yeah, he came out, he was on record by saying there was no evidence of that. He did say that there was questionable financial uh, management of it, but yeah, is questionable financial management a crime? If that's the case, then I should be in jail because I have a hard time balancing my checkbook. <laughs> and, 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 and also, the thing is, really, at, it, like, how do you define embezzlement? It, it's for your own personal gain. I mean, it, really, that that's that's a subjective term in a lot of ways. Is what is financial? What is your own personal gain? Is it to cover your own rear end when KRQE blasts you out of the water with a, with a report that embarrasses you? Because in, in, in that way, you could see, if through that lens, you could say, well, yeah, maybe he did use public funds for his own benefit because he was clearly doing it to put the story to bed. Um, but did he actually use that money to go out and buy his wife a couple new dresses? No, he didn't do, there's no evidence of, of any, uh, of any wrongdoing in that regard. So, uh, it, it's, it's, it's in the hands of 12 people who, by all accounts, are not Lobo fans. They don't know anything about Paul Krebs or the University of New Mexico. And they probably couldn't care less about Lobo Athletics. So, you know, I think everyone who's in that courtroom probably knows Paul Krebs pretty well at this point. But the jury doesn't. So how are they going to handle that? And and that's, that's the thing is, do we sit around all day waiting for this thing? And I I, I was taking drive riding down in the elevator on the way out of there, and I could, I could hear people talking like, I don't think this thing will go for more than an hour tomorrow morning. I have no idea how long this thing is going to go, but either way, here we are, sitting, waiting for that puff of white smoke. And we'll have to wait until tomorrow morning for that to come out. Well, you, you painted yeah. a picture for us of Paul Krebs trying to just contain his emotions before going up to the stand. And at this point in a trial, there is a lot of that of trying to invoke some of those emotions. So going back to the closing statements today, or really any point in the last four days, when the attorneys have directed anything towards the jury, have you, has anything caught your attention? Is maybe any kind of subtle reactions that the jury might have had to anything in particular? Any any uh, any details of this that might maybe not give a hint of what's going to happen tomorrow, but just has, has anything stood out of oh, you know, the way that the jury reacted to anything? Yeah, I, I think the one thing that stood out today was they they mentioned for the first time what Krebs' salary was, and uh, there was there was kind of an audible reaction to that throughout the courtroom and it wasn't necessarily just from the jury it was from people around there but when they said that he made like three hundred thirty-five thousand dollars a year whatever it was that as the athletic director i think people were surprised by that i think people some people may have actually thought he made like you know forty two thousand dollars a year as the athletic <laughs> who knows how much they thought he made but if three hundred thirty-five thousand dollars is not jump change but i'm my first reaction was what if you had the basketball coach in here? Because <laughs> oh, Richard Pacino's a millionaire. And he's the highest-paid public employee in the state of New Mexico. What if wow. you were on that stand? People would be rolling over, and yeah. you know they'd be reaching for pitchforks at that point. Yeah. Now, uh, Paul Kennedy did have a chance uh, to address that when uh, he asked Paul uh, how his salary would rate against the other ads in the Mountain West, and his answer to that was like bottom half, right, or even bottom yeah. third, or something like that. But yeah, no, you're right. Uh, you know, like those kind of numbers did start probably did startle people. But but don't you think once uh, they mentioned that he was in like the lower half or even maybe the lower third, that that would have probably given them some perspective on that? Yeah, and, and then the part where they he he testified that he and his wife had contributed basically 75000 to to $100,000 
over the 12 years that he was the AD, back to the school, most of it to athletics. So they contributed quite a bit of their own money uh, to the Lobo Club, to athletics, and to the school. And remember, his wife is a professor at the school. So you know, I, I can tell you right now, having worked in the newspaper industry for about 27 years, I don't think I've ever donated money back to my publication. There's no way. I've taken all that money home and <laughs> used all that stuff myself. But he's donating money back to, to the school because I think there's a genuine love affair that he has with the school. And I did have a, I, I, like a, there's, there's times, there's breaks where he'll come out in the hallway and we'll just make small talk. And my, my question to him, whenever this thing ends, is I'm going to ask him if, if he ever has or if he's comfortable going back to UNM athletic events, not necessarily as a favored guest, but just as a curious onlooker because he was there when the pit was the pit, and when it was the big rocking building before the renovation, and now he has a chance to maybe go back and see it from a different perspective as a fan. I'm just curious if he's ever kind of snuck in the back door with a big, you know, the Jackie Onassis sunglasses to try <laughs> to get that perspective, you know, but we'll see. I, look, the, the man still looks healthy, but I know this stress has got to be riding on him in a, in a way that none of us can really relate to. And and I would like to, man, I'd love to sit down and have a cup of coffee with him just to see how he's doing personally. Well, actually, that was inserted into some of this discussion that even before this whole, uh, you know, media blitz related to this golf trip came up or even the golf trip, he mentioned something about he was uh, looking at even stepping away after like 19 years at that point uh, as an mm -hmm. AD, wasn't he, uh, Will? Yeah. yeah, he talked about that. I mean, that's, that is a long time to be at the top of the athletic food chain, that's, that's, and that's a lot of stress. Because uh, when, when it boils right down to it, the, an athletic director is not a guy who stands there and brings you championships. He's not a guy who helps a coach make his team better. He's essentially a fundraiser. That's what he is. If you've ever been to a pit, a game in the pit or at a football game, the athletic director does not necessarily stand there and root for the team and run over there and pat the coach in the back. He is the guy who has to walk around glad-handing all the boosters. And especially, it's, it's readily apparent at a local basketball game, is Eddie Nunez, now the AD, he'll come by and he'll, tell, he'll make small talk with all the media, but he's there to talk to all the people who sit in front of us, the boosters, the, you know, the $25,000-plus people who pay a lot of money to that school. And, and he, even Krebs talked about it on that Scotland trip. That Scotland trip wasn't about golf for him or Cole McCamey or, or Craig Neal when they were there. It was there to foster relationships with the people who were there for future donations. You're there to make them feel more comfortable about UNM athletics because you need their money not now but down the road. And that's, that's a lot, man. It, it, it takes a special personality to do that for 19 years, especially at a school like UNM, which was hemorrhaging cash for a decade when he was the athletic director. They were having a hard time making things. Remember, they cut athletics. They cut 14 sports right after, right after he left because they couldn't make ends meet. And you are ultimately responsible for that. And that, <laughs> that's not the kind of stress. I don't care if they're paying me $335,000 a year. That's not the kind of stress I'd like to have. Will Weber, the Santa Fe, New Mexican, with us here on ESPN Radio 101.7. The team, he's on the Daniels Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning Cool Take Hotline. So if you would, Will, for anybody that might have jumped in in the middle of the conversation, uh, uh, we got to the deadline today, and the jury came in and had another question for the judge. Just kind of reset that, if you would, what the questioning was and why this is continuing into tomorrow. 
Yeah, it was. It had to do with how funds are exchanged between the Internet Foundation and the, the Lobo Club. I think it was, it was pretty fairly clearly laid out uh, in, throughout the course of the trial. Uh, it's like when Joe and I when Joe and I sat down for lunch today. I can liken it to having three pitchers of of water right in front of you, and one of them is the athletic department fund, the other one is the UNM Foundation fund, and the other one is the Lobo Club fund. And if you take one fluid out of one and pour it into another, eventually that water is going to filter back into the one next to it and back to the original starting spot. So you're not really taking money. You might be taking money from one of them, but all at the end of the day, all of them are together in the same pot. And that's kind of how that's that's how money works. It's it, that's the question at the end of the day: is what happened to thirteen thousand six hundred dollars because it was removed? They actually they never recouped it from the the initial deposit to Anthony Travel, and they never actually got it back. So where did that money go? It's it's still out there. That apparently the hole just never got filled. And it, is that enough to convict this guy? And I don't know. That's it. That's up to the jury. Yeah, is it a um, is it enough to impose a, a felony count of embezzlement um, against right. the highest count you can uh, have against uh, a citizen? And you know the, their defense. You know, so the, yeah, the state was was all about violation of policy, and the defense was all about uh, a mistake. Or, you know, that was made or a violation of policy. If in fact it did happen. And, uh, and Paul Kennedy said in his close that, he, he, you know, from he doesn't think that there was even a violation of policy. But he also said that a violation of uh, policies are not laws. Policies are not laws. Uh, so <laughs> anyway, that's where the jury is going to have to differentiate from like you, that. That analogy you gave about like three pitchers of water and they all spill. I, yeah, because I, I'm telling you, that's why I really thought that the the um the people from the state had a really difficult job was because even even david harris the cfo when asked about how i think there was a gray area between lobo club and foundation i, I think he mm-hmm. took it the next step and he even used the word that there was friction between the two um yeah. so i mean uh yeah it, there, there's a, a lot, uh, a lot of policies and a lot going on. But again, our, our policies, law, and you know, is embezzlement, um, you know, fair in this case? Uh, and we'll find out. This is uh, Will Weber. Thank you so much, Will. Uh, I'll see you tomorrow, bright and early at eight thirty. I don't know how long I'll stick around, but the just to, yeah. again, if people are are tuning in now. The headline of the day was that. Paul Krebs did, in fact, testify today, and he was on the stand for about three hours, as as uh, Will mentioned, and then both sides um, gave final um, closing statements, and then they rested, and the jury uh, was given, de- uh, like, uh, you know, their... their uh, uh, the, the jury was given their uh, details or whatever instructions. Thank you. I've got a lot going on. Go. Well, okay, the jury was given their instructions. <laughs> you instru- sound like me after four days of sitting in court. <laughs> okay, all right. And the word instructions, and then I split. Will sat around in the hallway talking about uh, all kinds of stuff while you know all this stuff is pending, and then he finds out that. Uh, that the the jury was still meeting. They actually had a question uh, for Judge uh, Leo's, and that's that's not unusual. I mean, the judge tells them if things come up that you don't understand, or if you need more information, let us know. Right? I mean, isn't that part right. of the instruction? Yeah, she. They literally wrote their question on a piece of paper, which was then put inside of a plastic bag, 
and shown as like an evidentiary thing to the attorneys. <laughs> they all walked up to her desk and they all looked at it and they answered it and and they they answered it without any of us in the courtroom able to hear the answer. So that's that's how it all came to be. And then as soon as she got it, got the paper back, she said, "All right, we're dismissed." And that's it. Okay, so I, since, since you said nobody could hear it, did they hit the white noise, uh, Will? No. Okay. It was not the white noise, which I've come to loathe more than anything. It's like uh, it's like that scene in Poltergeist when the static comes on the TV. Absolutely. I, I'm going to be hearing that sound in my sleep. Yeah. Yeah, I was trying to tell Sam, but he's too young to remember before cable. You know, when you'd fall asleep, you either had that beep or you'd wake up, you know, after watching Saturday Night Live or something. And it would be just, a, you know, that, uh, that 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 noise that yeah, we heard. That. Yeah, I hear white noise now. I think uh, sounds of the rainforest or the ocean or the trains on the tracks, those white noise machines. Yeah, I guess it, uh, maybe we should try that next time. Actually, Sam, it sounds like when our radio station goes or off the too. air, which we don't want to talk about. Oh, it's a bad sound. The way out of the building. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, you'll be there at eight thirty, but you could be there from eight thirty to four thirty or whatever tomorrow. You don't know. Yeah, I'll be the guy sitting in the corner with the giant bags under my eyes, <laughs> waiting for this thing to be done. <laughs>